Welcome to The Banker Midweek, your weekly look at what the industry is talking about, offering information bankers like you need to know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Banker Midweek. And this week, your editor is myself, Liz Lumley. And we are joined by Charlotte Crosswell, one of the most well-known people in the financial services industry. She is the chair of the Center for Finance, Innovation, and Technology. Hello, Charlotte. Hi, Liz, and great to be here. Thanks Thank for inviting you. me. Thank you so much. So um, for regular listeners of The Banker Midweek, we've decided to shake things up for 2024. The Banker has a new editor-in-chief, so we have a new podcast uh, so as with our Davos special last week, our weekly sit-downs will be about what is happening now, what the industry is chatting about, and what do bankers like you need to know. So since I have Charlotte sitting across from me, um, we are going to talk about open finance. <laughs> open finance and open banking, one of one of, uh, one of of the big topics in the banking industry right at the moment. Um, and as you know, all, all of our discussions will influence current and future stories on thebanker.com. So one of my first questions is um, the Center for Finance, uh, Innovation, Technology. It emerged from the um, Ron Khalifa UK FinTech review uh, that happened a few years ago. Give us a rundown. What are some of the goals of the organization? As many people will know, uh, I was CEO of Innovate Finance during the Khalifa mm. review, and we acted as co-secretariat. So it's quite strange that I've actually come full circle having left there gone off to chair the open banking entity and then come full circle back mm. into actually chairing the entity that was recommended in the review by, by Ron Khalifa. Um, and what Ron deduced from the work he did, which sat across five chapters of how to move forward with financial innovation, i.e. fintech, was looking at you, the whole broad range of how we interfaced with the fintech sector. That was through industry associations, with the entrepreneurs, with the investors, with international hubs. And he split that into five chapters. And what was a common theme coming through from those chapter leads that were reporting into Ron was how do we put a cohesive strategy together when there's so many people involved in mm. this sector? Um, and it's not just the entrepreneurs. It's the mm. banks themselves innovating. Um, and the very common thread all the way through those chapters was if we have an entity that's there solely to really tackle the really difficult problems, not advocate them for actually getting on and tackling them and finding solutions, then that can sit independently of government and the regulators, but work very closely with them. And importantly, bring those voices of industry together to say, right, this is the path forward. Um, and so CFIT, as we call it, uh, was born and has seed funding from HM Treasury to get it off the ground. Um, and that's a concept that then will move into the private sector at the end of that funding. And City of London Corporation also put a grant in as well. And so what that means is that we don't have to go and raise the funds right at the beginning, which is quite difficult. We can just get on with the job and the task in hand. Mm -hmm. um, Ron suggested, and it, as you said, it's a few years old now, so we're coming up to a third year anniversary. And it was written during COVID, so we have to take that all with a, uh, <laughs> you know, a pinch of salt to a certain extent because things move on. But he suggested that we look at a coalition model. Mm. And coalitions being how do you bring everyone together and solve really difficult things that, that take forward. Mm -hmm. And one of those was open finance, hence why I'm speaking about that today. But there's other ones, obviously, in the Khalifa review that he identified, some of which are relevant still and some of which have been solved in the interim. Mm. So I want to get into that in a bit, but I'm, I love that you talked about you know ecosystem and that there are a lot more players in this space besides just the entrepreneurs. So I always like to ask, because I, I kind of tell people I've been in fintech for 30 years, how do you define fintech? Um, and 
and this was a re- it was a really pertinent question even during the review. Mm-hmm. Should we call it fintech? And and wrongfully for anyone who's met him, will say, well, does fintech have this connotation of people with an iPad and shortage? And obviously that's mm-hmm. getting a bit more dated now because mm-hmm. we're sort of moving on from uh, from those days. But what he said is, yeah, are we undervaluing the power of this ecosystem? And actually what it's really doing is innovating financial services. Mm-hmm. And so even at CFIT, it's got finance, innovation and technology in the name. It hasn't got fintech. Because what this is now is how do we innovate for the good of consumers, for the good of businesses, for international competitiveness and growth, not about what we're actually doing just to support the entrepreneurs. Because there's lots of people who do that. But actually, for me, fintech really is financial innovation and the scaling of that, but very much with end result that is delivering a better financial services outcome. Mm, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> I like a, a, a big tent uh, fintech approach. So um, so open finance, you mentioned before, it's the what you're calling the inaugural fintech challenge yeah. for, for, for CFIT. Why have you chosen to tackle that first? So we, and this is where we were very much guided by the Khalifa Review, and then work had carried on from that with a steering group that was before our inception that very much looked at those coalitions. And there were three that Ron identified, open finance, SME finance, and digital ID, of three big topics that at the time, during the time of writing, as I said, they were coming up to three-year anniversary, were really big issues for the industry and couldn't just be solved by entrepreneurs, couldn't just be solved by banks, couldn't just be solved by policymakers. Um, and when we looked at those, we had to also consider what where the momentum was as well. And even if you just take those three as our sort of where we were going to narrow our focus on in the first coalition, SME finance and digital ID actually require an opening up of data. So it was more logical for our first one to be open finance, which for us is very much about opening up data to create better outcomes in financial services. Now, if you layer that on with the success from open banking that the UK is very much led on around the world, again, it was a natural next step as open banking moves into open banking plus, as some people call it. Mm. So beyond the narrow focus it started with on current accounts and moves into wider um, open banking opportunities, the open finance would naturally follow that. So that for us was the reason for deciding that was going to be the first coalition. We have an entity in the UK. We have policymakers who are very behind open banking. We have an international leadership role in open banking. But we shouldn't just sit there and stop at open banking because obviously the data is not just sitting in bank accounts anymore. The data is now complex in financial services, both for an individual and a small business. And opening that up is naturally going to lead us to a better outcome going Mm. forward. So that was the reason for for choosing it. It was one really big topic that everyone's talking about globally. Two, we have an entity that could be leveraged potentially on that. And three, there was momentum behind this. As you say, a lot of people now are able to talk about open banking and open finance and smart data, whereas a few years ago perhaps wouldn't have been so relevant. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, it, that open banking, open finance is talked about a lot, especially in, in our circles. But do you think it's been difficult to communicate to people outside of our fintech bubble? And the, the best things in financial innovation that are successful are the ones that nobody actually talks about. Mm-hmm. I think in the UK, we sort of beat ourselves up with open banking. Well, does the man or woman on the street or the young person on the street who's trying to get onto you know, a rental ladder for the first time or even their first mortgage worry about open banking? No. <laughs> Should we say, would you like to leverage open banking? What does that mean? Oh, give us access to your bank account. Well, I can guarantee you most people would say that sounds really risky. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be careful that a phrase that's being used by the financial services industry shouldn't be a phrase that actually needs to be known by everybody using it. 
Should we be able to say to individuals, both you know, small business owners or, or consumers, that they can share their data in a trusted format through their own consent, take back their consent when they need to, mm. and that's going to up, open up wider opportunities, better opportunities for them to sit there and get a lower rate um, for loans or a higher rate for, more, for, um, for their savings? Yes. So we have to be really careful, and I think it has confused industry. So... Yeah, within the square mile, I'll talk about open banking. If I'm sitting there, even, you know, and I live in West London, I will never talk about open banking because nobody would ever know what it is. <laughs> what a great difference. And when you go further afield. <laughs> and so somebody, you know, and somebody did say to me, well, nobody's asking for open banking. Well, they mm. shouldn't be. Um, I very much doubt any of your listeners would order an Uber and say, mm. can you tell me about the API you're using and how my payment's <laughs> going to come out? You just want it to turn up and you know payment's going to be made. Mm -hmm. And so it is the pipe between it. It's a very, very powerful tool, obviously. It's for payments. It's for data. And we have to therefore use that, but make sure we demystify this word. Mm. It's very interesting because there's kind of like, I kind of think there's this you know, open banking as it relates to you know, the, the framework, the directive that came down in the UK and, and in the EU. And, and then there's like open banking as a concept or open finance as a, so, you know, some regions have market-led um, initiatives, others have, uh, you know, mandate-led initiatives. What type of businesses benefit the most from, let's, let's, let's open it up, that sort of concept of open finance? Yeah. Um, so those, well, so, so to take a step back, is it consent is at the heart of everything, mm -hmm. open banking, open finance. And I think that's a diff difficult narrative when everyone's being told to be careful of their data, be careful of fraud, be careful of someone who phones you up and says, would you like to share your bank account details? You can imagine people say no. Um, and sometimes mm. people say yes, unfortunately, and get caught out. And then on the open banking phrase, of course, all we're doing is saying, would you like to share your account details? Um, so I think that's our difficulty, and we're going mm -hmm. to have to navigate that carefully over the coming years. Um, but ultimately, those who do understand it, and you know, obviously I use it a lot to curiosity of nothing else, um, who do share the data with that trusted third party are able to see a better savings rate. They're able to see switching opportunities. They're able to sweep money into a higher interest rate, which is particularly pertinent now as we see an increased interest rate environment. It may mean they can get a mortgage for the first time, whereas perhaps before they couldn't. And as we've delved into our work at CFIT on open finance, what's becoming clear is just how many individuals and small businesses can benefit from this. And it's very powerful. Uh, we've decided to take our first step into open finance through credit. Um, so loans, and that includes potential mortgages, potential you know, short-term credit, longer-term credit for small businesses and consumers. And looked at the art of the possible that when you open up more data sets and said share them in a safe environment, what does that do? And we're already seeing those findings coming through. It's very powerful that people will benefit from this. So data is a very complex subject. Everyone knows that. There's thousands probably of data points on every single person if we mm. really went to it. So what does that look like and how do you know which data points are the most effective in delivering a better outcome? And that's the work we've been doing is narrowing that down and looking at the data sets. Mm -hmm. um, and then saying to you, the is going forward, saying to consumers and small businesses, if you're able to access this data and share it, this is probably going to service you very, very well. Now, maybe some people don't get a loan that had a loan before, or it may people get, get a loan that you know, were, were being refused. We have to be careful, but it is going to be accurate and reasonable. Mm. And that's what's important. Um, and you know, obviously we are entering a world where data 
you know, is, is becoming plentiful. We've seen this with the big tech firms. We've seen it with utility providers, your cars, your short-term credit, <laughs> we buy now, pay later. You, there's a picture of everybody out there, and we have to be you navigate that carefully. But ultimately, if we don't start to examine how that can service it, people are getting a very limited picture of consumers and small businesses, and that is going to, unfortunately, get them behind, put them behind. Mm. What, are, what are some of the other hurdles to, to implementing open finance? Well, anyone who's been involved in the open banking journey, um, which everyone sort of thought would be two years project, go through PSD2 <laughs> and it would all be done, has recognised the complexity of that. Mm. And that was just mandating the top nine account providers in the mm. UK, CMA9. Um, as we start to level that up or level it across other financial institutions, that's a lot of legacy systems that need to be changed. It's a lot of consultation. Um, and we have to look at the, the effect of that. So it is a complex environment. And plugging into legacy systems is challenging, and especially if you bring one API. Um, so that's ultimately is, it's not that people don't want to do this, it's the fact that it's, it's, it's difficult. And, and there's a lot of people at the table. We also have to look at you know, how it gets funded, who pays for it. Um, so currently, because it's come out of a competition order, the CMA9 funds the entity, and others are able to consume that for free. But obviously, that's good. there's going to have to be a commercial yeah. model that makes it a more fair and equitable process, obviously, through that. Otherwise, there's no incentive for banks or any other institutions to share their data. Yeah. And, and fintechs will eventually say, well, you know, how, do we, how do we do this? And how do we make sure that we are paying for the service but not being penalised for using it? So that's the real challenge. And I know there's you know, some obviously very clever people working that through over the course of this year. Um, so I think those are, those are the big things. And then, as I said, we have to look at what outcomes we're trying to get to. We shouldn't just look right in front of us at the complexity of it. Where does this help an individual, particularly in financial distress, but others, as I said, who's trying to get a get on the mortgage um, ladder perhaps the first time, those who are trying to understand where their pension is or multiple pensions mm. and have they got enough? That's uh, what I'm pension. trying to figure out. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, yeah, and that's one of the things. So when mm. we look at what open finance is... It's really looking at the data around you and looking at your financial services journey and working out how you make it work better for you. Mm -hmm. And for many people across the UK and worldwide, they don't need to know the complexity of it. We have to break that down and make it easier for them. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine that everybody and your listeners will not be getting the best outcome for financial services. And I'll probably be barraged by people saying, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but if you look at your, you know, your current account savings, your, you know, your investments, your pension, your mortgage, your mm. rent, your insurance, if we look at that complexity, nobody's going to be getting the best deal because it's time consuming and yeah. it's hard. And so we have to navigate that and make it a bit easier but not obviously bring it all in at once because I think that would be just a bit too much for anyone to understand. Yeah, I know. I always have arguments with my husband about um, my phone tariff. He thinks I'm on too high a tariff, <laughs> but I just, I'm too lazy. Yeah, and that's not <laughs> open banking. That's yeah. not even open finance. It's sitting there saying, right, you know, right, mm. it touches financial services mm. like utility bills. And we've mm. seen this in utility before, obviously, the energy crisis. We saw those, those utility providers have to put on your statement every quarter, you can save X if you move your... Mm. Great. Still, people didn't move it. You, we have to sort of work out how we do that, and data is obviously key to all of that. Yeah. So, what is so with this first challenge? I mean, what is what does success look like? Um, as I said, we we were there to to move things forward where industry and policymakers really were wanting to do it, but needing a body to drive it forward. We're mm. not an implementation entity. Um, we're there to really throw a very very qualified team, get the whole ecosystem. Uh, with us and say, right, how can this potentially be taken forward? Um, and that's what we'll be publishing shortly. Um, and so 
For us, it's saying, let's look at outcomes. Let's make that really, really clear how this could be taken forward by who. And then eventually find the off-ramp for where that goes and make sure it happens. And yeah, maybe along the way, people say, well, actually, that's not a priority, but this piece is. Um, but we want to do that really, really hard work in in you know, scaling it up and saying what's the art of the possible, rather than you know, do what everyone's doing at the moment, which is sort of look downwards and say, right, you know, how do we move this forward now? Mm. We want to look forwards and say, here's the path to a, which a strategy. Because ultimately, it's about scaling financial innovation mm -hmm. and remembering that internationally, still you know, people are looking to the UK for that leadership role. And we shouldn't forget that. We have done an incredibly powerful thing in the UK mm -hmm. and we continue to do that. And what the UK does, you know, can have some you know, really positive ramifications across the world. Mm. Yeah. So coming back to the UK, I mean, um, I read something from the King's speech last year where mm. you praised the data protection and digital information bill. Yeah. So um, why? <laughs> um, and so DPDI bill, which we, we all know because it's far too, uh, far too wordy otherwise, <laughs> is really comes back to how do you take this beyond open banking to open mm -hmm. finance to a smart data economy. Mm -hmm. um, and so fintech is a very small part of that, obviously, and Treasury has stated that that potentially will be the bill they would leverage for the future of open banking into open finance. And DPDI is about allowing people to share their data, allowing them to take back that consent so they own the data, and that is really, really important. And what happens to your digital information that's held about you? And it is a very important bill. Um, really key amendments that are going through that at the moment because that will give us the framework for what can come next. As most people know, primary legislation takes a long time. Um, secondary legislation takes quite a long time, but we need that primary legislation within that bill so we can then take forward different innovations. And if we look at the banking sector, we look at fintech sector, what do they need? They need data and they need to be able to show what they can do with that data to deliver a better service, better products. And there's no doubt about it, if, that, if and when that bill goes through, that those fintechs will be then able to look at the products and services that can be de developed. And that's where the fintech sector is incredibly good. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't do that in isolation. They often partner with the big financial services institutions mm -hmm. as well. So that bill is, it is key, like, it, like any, any bill that's going through, um, because it will just give that framework, and that's what it does. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all about... How do you share your data? How do you know what data is being held on you? And then how do you, you leverage that data to deliver a better outcome? And when you don't want to share it anymore, you take it back. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned at the start of our conversation that um, CFIT, you know, I've got seed funding from the, the UK government. Right. Um, it seems like every country on the planet is having an election this year. So <laughs> uh, the government might change <laughs> at the end of this year. What happens when the government changes? And, and when, when do you have to move to a commercial model? Um, so the, the seed funding was for three years operations mm -hmm. um, and was there to provide two coalitions, if we call this a coalition, the first one being mm -hmm. open finance. Um, and that was the funding. And then anything over and beyond that is expected the industry would want to say, how does this organisation work and how do we get to take on these really difficult challenges? So that's after the three year cycle. Um, so obviously we work with policymakers, MPs up and down the country, because a lot of the time this is about consumers and, and small businesses across the UK who stand to benefit, and for fintechs up and down the UK. Um, so it's not wedded to any one particular parliamentary session, obviously. The funding is now there, it's secured to drive this forward, and we all work very closely, particularly with the industry associations, who are able to go and canvas the opinions of their members of what's a priority, mm -hmm. and then continue to test back, saying well, if this was in the Khalifa review, 
published in 2021, is that still relevant? Is it being solved anyway? Or has it become more of an issue? And then what needs to be solved next? Um, and having a, a body that's able to drive that forward and bring the ecosystem with you is the most important. So on Open Finance, we have over 50 organisations across banking, fintechs, academics, um, sitting at the table. We're obviously informing policymakers on that work um, as we go. And you're putting that together with a dedicated team that's only focused on that and doesn't get distracted by anything else is, is really important. But that, as I said, that will be continuous work going into next year. Excellent. So open finance was the first challenge. Yep. What's the next challenge? We can look back to the Khalifa Review. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly the work we're doing at the moment is talking to big stakeholders, certainly the first piece of work, because we've had so many uh, institutions involved um, with the piece of work we've done so far. So we will go back to some of our coalition partners, because that's pretty representative of the sector, industry associations, policymakers, and say, right, what is the challenge? And there's, there's, there's a long list, as you can imagine, of things that are difficult projects that people want solved by a dedicated body. Mm -hmm. um, and will be coming out later in the spring, I would expect, once that piece of work's been finalised, to, to announce the co second coalition. Excellent. Charlotte, anything interesting going on this week that you want to bring up? Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think... As, as we can see, one week rolls into the next, obviously, uh, you're within financial services innovation and every week seems so critical and then mm -hmm. sort of the next week appears and something else seems so critical. And um, interesting to see fintech mentioned at Davos last week. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah and, and fintech and crypto and mm -hmm. open data. I mean, we, we're going to continue to see that data story come out and data sounds scary. It sounds complicated. <laughs> um, and you know, we've been looking through our initial findings that we'll, we'll be publishing later mm. um, in the spring around open finance and really saying, how does this make a difference? And I think we have to demystify it. We need to get rid of open banking and open finance and even smart data. Mm -hmm. um, lots of people looking at smart data economy. But when we look at where industry wants to move this forward, they, there is a genuine desire to deliver a better outcome. And we're getting a lot smarter as a financial services industry in doing that. And I think the strength of the UK fintech sector has been instrumental to that. We haven't, we've got banks who are innovating themselves. They're either you're doing in-house or they're partnering with the fintech sector or they're buying fintechs. Um, and that's only going to continue. Now, a lot of people focusing on investment numbers and they're down. But when I see the strength of activity and how the industry continues to innovate itself, mm. they learn something. It's a bit like machine learning. You learn something and you move <laughs> on. And you occasionally you get legislation that opens up really big opportunities. But meanwhile... I think the, the sector is really quite aligned now on wanting to make sure that whatever gets done in financial services in innovation up and down the UK, services, consumers and small businesses up and down the UK, mm -hmm. it's not about London fintech. And we have to remember that what we see outside of London is incredible innovation. And sometimes we're taking on different challenges because mm. they'll be more pertinent to that geography. Yeah. And as I keep saying, we're doing that on an international stage. There is an incredible amount of interest in what Ron Khalifa um, put forward, but even what we've been doing at CFIT over the last nine months in this coalition of where's the UK going to land on this? Um, so whenever people think you nothing's happening quickly enough, because obviously <laughs> entrepreneurs want everything to happen yesterday, we have to uh, remind ourselves that you know, it is important work that people are doing because it is going to deliver products and services that are fit for the 21st century. Excellent. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Banker Midweek, part of the portfolio of podcasts from the editorial team at The Banker, available on thebanker.com and wherever you get your podcast fix. Search on The Banker Podcasts 
to listen to more.